Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what did we talk about today? Today, we had a special guest. That's right. We had Lorraine Clarineau, the CEO of the Beaverton Chamber of Commerce. Yes. We talked with her about leadership. And we talked about the business community in Beaverton. And changes that are happening in the Beaverton community right now uh, with how the city is run. All that and more on another exciting episode of the Refreshing Edge podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Refreshing Edge podcast, hosted by Megan and Nicholas DeSalvo, about what businesses go through when branding, developing creative, and marketing their business in an ever-changing digital climate. It's also about leadership, company culture, building community, working with your spouse, and whatever we feel is important to share with you today. You might know Megan as an amazing wife, incredible mother, thespian, entrepreneur, co-owner, and creator of opportunities at Edge One Media, and volunteer for every nonprofit organization that exists in Portland and maybe beyond. You might know Nicholas for his love of coffee, tennis, watches, video games, and all things Portland. Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, I'm super excited. We have a special guest. That's right. We have Lorraine Clarno, the CEO of the Beaverton Chamber of Commerce. We're going to ask questions uh, in our leadership series, as we have been, about um, leadership and, and what... Uh, the leadership in Beaverton is like. I am particularly excited to talk to Lorraine because I actually haven't spoken to her very much at all in the past. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to get to know her better. Yes. And uh, I've known Lorraine for many years, um, but we are not currently members of the Beaverton Chamber, but that might change after today's episode. <laughs> so Lorraine, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, why don't we start by you telling us who you are, what you do, and why it is important. All right. Um, so Lorraine Clarno, president and CEO of the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce. I'm actually in my 20th year here, which is uh, mind blowing. Um, and prior to that, I had been five years at the Hillsborough Chamber of Commerce as a program uh, coordinator and administrator of their school to work program. And uh, prior to that, in the real world, <laughs> I came from a printing background. Uh, where I managed um, the outside store locations for a gentleman, uh, you may remember Pip franchise, Pip printing franchise. He owned uh, five of them up in Washington state and I managed his outside stores. Um, when my husband was given an opportunity to move down this way, I take, took a look at what I, what I enjoyed and what I enjoyed was my volunteerism in chambers. I had served on four different boards up there in the four communities and been on every committee known to mankind, especially at that time. And I thought, you know, I, I realized I was pretty good at setting policy and vision and I wanted to just see how good I would be at implementing. So I uh, just blanketed the metro area and Bob Herb at the time was brave enough to bring me on in Hillsborough. And so um, accidentally fallen into a career of chamber management, that's for sure. And I think the second part of your question was, why is it important? Mm -hmm. um, I really don't believe uh, there is anything more important as the foundation of a community than its business community and serving as the voice of business and uh, being that rallying cry and that champion and the convener and collaborator, collaborator and connector of all businesses uh, to be that voice. There's nothing, uh, nothing has been more important, but boy, oh boy, today, 
this is uh, Chambers' opportunities to shine and be reckoned with. Um, and I think we're going to see, um, you know, the chambers that come through are those that uh, have the right leadership in place. And I'm not just talking about um, staff, I'm talking about boards um, and that have the, um, the ability and the, the gut uh, to, uh, to speak out and to take risk and to um, do it measured and, and collaboratively uh, to survive and get through this. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so to touch on, you know, just knowing more about your chamber, what makes the Beaverton Chamber unique? Well, when I came on board, um, I like to call, I liked to call it the Chamber of Events. Um, that is all we did. And we produced, uh, you may remember the Taste of Beaverton, one of the most fun, fabulous festivals in our area. Um, huge, brought 30,000 people to Beaverton every, uh, every weekend in July um, for that event, music and fun. Um, we did a fine arts and wine festival. Uh, we did a car show. Um, and that's what we did. We produced events year long. Um, there was a, a little bit of activity um, with uh, taking issues uh, or taking positions on issues, I should say. Um, but it was very, very light. And we certainly didn't look at candidates or do anything that we do today in terms of our um, advocacy work, which is where we have grown to. So I think um, more and more chambers are coming along uh, with us, which is awesome. Um, and uh, that needs to happen. And even uh, all of our local chambers in Washington County, I think we're doing, we're at a really um, special place in, in my mind um, in how we are working together in that arena and chambers are advancing into new and different levels. And it's fun to see and watch and, and support where we can and collaborate uh, as able. Well, I do uh, know that the business community in Washington County and, and, and really in, in the you know, West Side Metro area is, is very collaborative in um, how we sort of do business together. And I think that's a really admirable trait um, that chambers have. What, um, you know, how does, how does your chamber reflect Beaverton as a community? Well, we are, um, I always like to uh, say, um, we dare you to outgrow us in Beaverton. Um, we're, we're landlocked. Um, we're mostly small businesses. We're the supply chains to the Hillsboro uh, and Portland in some cases. Uh, so we're extremely diverse. Beaverton, if you're not aware, is the most cosmopolitan city in the state of Oregon in terms of um, ethnic diversity and cultural diversity. So we have a swath of business that, that is just um, really amazing and exciting uh, to see start and grow and support. And um, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It presents itself a challenge from a membership organization because we have so many uh, different types of businesses to support, but it's also what's energizing to be able to do that. So Beaverton is a, a we like to say it's a, it's a growing uh, and urbanizing city. We're growing up, um, but we still feel like a small town in many ways. And the business community is pretty well connected in that way. And so with the um, Beaverton city um, and the chamber relationship between, you know, all, all chambers have kind of a relationship with the city. Um, how do you feel about uh, the leadership of, city of Beaverton? 
That is a great question right now. <laughs> um, we, we have uh, spent my 20 years building what has been, I think, a great relationship, but mutually beneficial. Um, they, we work together in the economic development arena extremely well, but we're also willing to flex our muscles and we're willing to have the tough discussions as we need to. Um, and that's, it's, it's gone extremely well. Um, you may know that uh, in May on the 19th in our primary election, uh, city charter completely changed. So we have a brand new form of government moving from what's been called a strong mayor to right. a more ceremonial mayor. And we're adding a city council member um, transitioning role of mayor, going to be hiring a um, city administrator, professional city administrator. So um, where we're going to go, I'm confident that we will work together, but it's sure going to be an interesting transition for all of us in the, in Beaverton to see how it all kind of shakes out. And, and at the same time, we're electing a new mayor. So uh, in November, uh, we'll have either uh, Lacey Beatty or Denny Doyle, our incumbent, um, but their roles are going to be night and day compared to what it would have been. So it's, it's going to be an interesting year for sure. So it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts going on at this moment. And uh, what better time for it than <laughs> a uh, in the middle of a global pandemic? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. how, you know, how, what's, what's the business um community like you know how how has this uh pandemic been for the business community in beaverton oh brutal mm -hmm. i think that's the best word i can use um as you know we had a combination of companies that are businesses that were mandated to be shut down and then yep. we had those um, like ourselves who were asked to stay home stay healthy and transition overnight to remote work um, in many cases, I think for a lot of us, it's been a surprise as to how well we've done with that transition. Um, and for others, I think it has been and will continue to be a monumental um, struggle. Um, and the fits and starts of our phased reopening right now are literal, I, I believe, literal nails in the coffin. Uh, for so many of our small businesses because they just get geared up and prepared to open or just open and then they're pulled back for one reason. So, so many changing pieces, so many changing parts. Um, I'm, I'm really concerned, especially this week, as you know, with our numbers going in the direction they are and our governor indicating on Sunday that she uh, doesn't want to, but she's prepared to uh, shut us down again. If, and if that happens, boy, oh boy. I'm yeah. not quite sure where we're going to be. Right. So, yeah, as we're recording this, it's the end of June and we're, you know, in various stages of our reopening. I think we're um, and and our counties have been kind of clumped together, uh, Washington, yes. uh, Clackamas and Multnomah, which makes it more difficult for Washington and Clackamas County to reopen. Um, and, I, you know, I know that small business is having a very difficult time just from being shut down the first time. But these, you know, like you said, the fits and starts, you know, thinking about people who are in food service who have to gear up yes. to provide service again, and then potentially have a lot of spoilage that they have to deal with when they cannot do so. It's very yeah. difficult. It um, is even, even the um, acquisition and the added cost burden of getting the correct PPE, personal equipment, 
uh, in, you know, for many businesses that thought they were going to be able to get going. Um, so they've expended money they didn't have in the first place to prepare, and they're still unable. So it's, it's a rough go out there. Yeah. And so during this time, um, you know, as, as you've been able to look at the leadership of the city and the county and the mm -hmm. state, how do you feel that our leadership um, could be stronger? Well, you know, um, we don't we don't throw stones at, at glass houses uh, ever with leadership. This, this is unprecedented. Um, I I'm so grateful they're in their positions, and I'm not. <laughs> to be truthful, we say the um, same thing. <laughs> you know, it's it's just uh, I can't imagine the intensity. I know the pressures I feel right now. Uh, doing what I do and to have to make the decision for our communities, uh, you know, as a whole, it's, it's got to be next to impossible. Um, overall, I, I know for a fact they're doing the best they can uh, with the best of intentions, with the, with the right, you know, mindsets. Um, and yeah, I wish they had crystal balls to make it easier for us. Um, I think you know, in some ways, I think when we all were initially asked to stay home, stay healthy, we understood it to be a two-week ask. Um, right. The three-month transition, um, wow. <laughs> uh, I don't think any of us could have anticipated that. And I, I, I do personally question, um, you know, whether that was the right thing to do. Did we start it too early? Did we let it go too long? Again, hindsight's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I know they're doing the best they can with the knowledge and the science that they have. Um, but sometimes I wonder if they're really looking out far enough um, to, to really be thinking about the ramifications, not just of public health, but everything uh, in our communities. And I know for me, what I try and do each and every day is while I'm focusing on the immediate, I'm always thinking about the long game. And um, I've been asking our local leadership, uh, you know, what are you going to do when the federal money runs out, when the CARES Act money is gone? Because if your local communities aren't generating your tax base, you've got nothing. And so I'm, I'm personally one of the firm believers that we have to learn to live with this virus. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, public health was never... Um, meant to insinuate or imply to us that they were going to keep us perfectly healthy. Um, we've got to be smart. We've got to be safe. We've got to do it right. But we have to be able to to live and function and and produce. That's that's what America is. It's how we our system works. So um, the timing, the length of timing, and and kind of how they've been trying to phase us open. Um, that that's a challenge for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's a challenge for all businesses right now because there's no, there's no certain end in sight. And, and it feels like uh, every day, you know, there's, it's just a moving target about what mm -hmm. we're trying to hit in order to reopen again. And yeah. we don't, and I agree that everybody's doing the very best that they possibly know how. Mm -hmm. And um, there's no agreed upon set of standards for which, uh, we can achieve them and and go back to the way we were. And it's, you know, in my mind, it's fairly likely that we will never go back to the way we were. And, um, so, you know, we just have to negotiate something different that that makes sense. And that, that 
is crushing for so many businesses who rely on face-to-face -face interaction to continue, um, you know, for the events business. Oh, where yeah. There won't be events, you know, probably through the end of this year. Oh, at you know? least. Yeah. At and, least, I'm afraid. And, and really, you know, uh, going back to what you said, when we first thought about this, it was a two-week ask, and it has now morphed into something that is months and potentially years long over a hundred days yeah it's well and i think uh the other part of it too is we have we haven't felt the full economic impact of um what is going on at all and um and i think people ask us all the time how are you doing and i think you know we say well we really don't know yet i mean to be quite honest our the economic impact to us and our business is going to take a little bit longer than others because of recurring things um so i think i think as a whole um, we just haven't really felt that um, that other shoe drop yet. So um, it'll be, you know, interesting. And I do think, I, but I do think that cities um, and communities need to come together. And that's where we're looking at leadership and, and how is leadership in these cities and what can they do to um, be more community um, minded and focused. So um, I appreciate you uh, taking those hard questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, Nicholas, do you want to do the honors of the, of the question? <laughs> this uh -oh. is the question we've all been waiting for. What are the top three traits that you admire in a leader? Oh, there's so many. Um, the top three, I think I would have to say um, someone that, that uh, is transparent, someone uh, that really is authentic, authentic in their vision, authentic in their communication, authentic in their presentation. I think, you know, being, being present, being visible is, is so important um, and something I wish we saw a little bit more of from our leadership other than an occasional uh, delivery of bad news. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, communication, you just can't do it enough and you can't do it in enough different ways. Um, and that includes listening, um, probably first and foremost. So I think transparent, authenticity, and communication. Well, uh, it's interesting because Megan and I did this exercise together. We <clears throat> separately listed our three out. And uh, you share one of those traits with yes, Megan. Yes, I'm so excited. So um, transparency is actually one of my top um, traits that I um, look for in a leader. Um, so I was really excited when you said that um, you're the first person to, to have the same one. Um, and then uh, collaboration, I feel like leaders should be collaborative. So um, rather than having someone who's in charge, um, really having that collaborative, collaborative feel um, so that every voice at the table feels like they're heard and, um, and as important. Um, I think it's a really important trait and then um, being passionate. So um, someone who is passionate and when they aren't passionate anymore, they know it's time to, you know, step aside and let somebody else step forward um, to be in charge. So, um, so those are mine. Uh, Nicholas, what are yours? Well, um, mine were, uh, let's see, number three was being decisive. I thought that, uh, you know, a lot of times being a leader means you have to make decisions and um, you don't want to be crippled by indecision. You just have to be willing to take a stand and try it and try things. Okay. And then, so then my second thing was um, flexibility. Uh, you have to be flexible enough 
to realize that you've made a wrong decision and, and change course. You know, and a lot of times changing your mind is confused with being weak. And I think that really it's, it's being strong because you realize that, that you were wrong and you're humble enough to walk it back and, and try something different. I couldn't agree more. I make a hundred mistakes a day. I always tell people <laughs> as yeah. long as you own them and you're willing to step up and, and, uh, and reverse course or do what you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, some of the best business advice I ever got was from um, a sales mentor I had. And, you know, he asked me about how sales were going in my business. And I said, you know, they're, they're going okay. And he said, you know, what your problem is, is you're not failing fast enough. Like you're not getting, you're just not trying, you know, you're just not making enough decisions. You're not doing enough things to be wrong. And, and you know, you learn from being wrong. And, um, sure do. And, and so that's one of the things that I try to do is, is take a stand, be willing to be wrong and learn for those things. And then, and then my first, my number one thing was empathy. I just think that uh, leadership in particular is struggling and our world is struggling with empathy at this moment It's so easy for us to be online and, and uh, forget that there are people on the other ends of these accounts that we're posting on. And, you know, in, in real life, we would be polite and cordial and willing maybe to listen more than we are online where venom is spewed and people are stupid. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lack of understanding or willingness to try to understand where someone is coming from. And I think that if we were a little more empathetic in our world, we'd be better served for it. Yeah. One of the things you always say is that people used to be able to lovingly disagree and we've lost that attribute to be able to, to show different you know, circumstances and, and positions on things. And I mean, Lorraine, you see that all the time in chambers where people, boards come together and they don't always have the same idea or the same opinion, um, but, but they do have to make decisions together. And by the end of their discussion, usually you'll see that some people have either changed their mind or their heart, or they've, you know, just gotten more information to be able to think and, and resonate on it. Um, and then they come together and they make a decision that's the best for the chamber as a whole. And so I think in leadership, that's, that's something that I, I get to see it often in groups that I'm, a part, that I'm a part of. But when you don't get to see that, I think that you don't realize that that, that exists and it should exist. Um, and how to do that in your friend circles and family is so important. Um, it seems like we are only able to do it in business settings at this time, you know, but I would really love to see people be able to have those tough dis decision or discussions with one another. I couldn't agree more. I don't know how we've lost it, honestly. Um, I know around my, my kitchen table growing up and dining room table, I know people, you know, outside of your family anyway, you know, they used to say, don't talk about religion or politics or whatnot. And, and I think at, at our, in our home, we learned how to uh, by talking about subjects that were uh, interesting and different and controversial in some cases. And, you know, there's, there, I, there's nothing I love more than a great debate. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm more than happy to go have a glass of wine and, and visit and, and be friends. Um, I don't know why we have lost that so badly. Um, and I certainly hope we can, we can reverse that and get back to it because it's our differences that make us wonderful, fun, and, and uh, engaging. It'd be 
so boring if we're all the same. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's true. I, I think we should celebrate the differences that we have. It is so, it is so easy for disagreements to escalate into anger and resentment. Mm -hmm. and, and really, I think we should try to celebrate the ways that we're different because it means that we're all strong in different ways. We, you know, that's part of being collaborative as a leader is to recognize what people's strengths are and, and try to play to those things because individually we can only do so much, but as a group, we can do so much more. Exactly. And I think yeah. we have more in common and more common interests than we think. Um, so even if you have different opinions, a lot of times you, you're all working towards the same goal or a really similar right. one. So, yep. We just might want to get there a little bit differently, but, uh, yeah. you know, for the, for the most part, we all want the same thing. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lorraine, for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for the invitation. This has been fun. Yeah, and can you tell us how to get a hold of the Beaverton Chamber? Yes, uh, you can certainly email me directly, Lorraine at beaverton.org. Our main uh, phone number is 503-644-0123, and our website is beaverton.org. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Have a good one. Happy you too. Yes. Yeah. Bye. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on the socials. At Edge One Media. At This Is Nicholas DeSalvo. Or at Megan DeSalvo. 